0: Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right. Welcome, everyone. We have another podcast, very special guest, Mr. Matt Savage. Matt, how are you? I'm great. Love the new set, by the way. It looks great. Thanks, man. Yeah, we got we're, we're we're tuning it up here. So we're uh, we're we're in the middle of a WPT event right now. Uh, I want to go over your kind of history, how you got into where you're at. I think world renowned, the top tournament director. You know, you, you basically implemented rules and and uh, guidelines for the for the industry and for tournaments. But um, just give us a little bit of right now what's happening. You're actually on day four of the LAPC. I saw the commerce, which you're the the lead tournament director uh, there as well. As a World Poker Tour, they added 75K to make first a million. I just saw that on Instagram. What was what was that about? What, they just decided to make a yeah, million?
1: Basically, you know, we have a standard payout that I created for the World Poker Tour. And, you know, I ask all of uh, the partner casinos and everybody that runs these events to follow that standard. And, you know, we didn't really know how many we're going to get to buy in today, too. I explained to the uh, casino manager, David Mosikian, that... Look, if it gets close, you know, to where it's like $970,000, $980,000 for first, I want to top it up and make it a million somehow. You know, I want to alter the prize pool or something like that. Well, the people at the World Poker Tour said, but Matt, you're going against what you, you know, profess all the time is that you want to use your standard payout. And because of that, it's going to be a bad look if we alter the payout and somebody gets less money and and, uh, first place gets more. Well, we fell about 20 short of where I thought we could get to where we could fudge a little bit to make it a million. Right. And so I just basically told David uh, here at the commerce, I said, we're not going to do that. It's just not going to happen. We're not going to be able to make it a million for first. And uh, he said, okay, uh, hold on a second before you announce. Now it's about, I like to announce prize pools the instant registration closes because I always feel like it's important for the players to know that. And, you know, people are coming up to me at the WPT. You've got everybody coming to me and saying, hey, give us the answers. What, what's the prize pool? We want to know what first place is. We want to know right. how many players are in the money and all that. And matter of fact, Mike Sexton, uh, who works with you with Party Poker, had a bet on it, you know, how much first place was going to be. And right. so I was, uh, you know, kind of getting – a little frustrated, I'm saying, David, why aren't you responding to me? You got to give me an answer on this. I got to figure it out because earlier in the day, he said, You know, whatever you can do to make it a million, make it happen, make it right. go to a million. Like, David, I just can't do it. We're 75,000 short of, of making it a million for first. And he goes, Okay, hold on. And I'm like, You can't make me hold on anymore. These players want to know, everybody's asking for these answers. And so, again, there's another 15 20 minutes. Again, people are coming up to me. And saying, Matt, what's going on with the price ball? And I'm mm-hmm. going, I want to give you an answer, but I got to go with what, you know, the casino manager says I have to do. Right. So when he called me and said, hey, look, since you're 75000 short, how about we just add it to first place to make it a million? I'm like, what? That's pretty generous. And I you just never, said, have you ever seen
0: that before? Like that t- kind of a uh, like, Not very often. About.
1: The World Poker Tour did it once at the, uh, at the WPT 500 at the ARIA, but not very, right. very often. So this and was when so, the commerce put it up. Yeah. The commerce has put it up and you know, it was a shock to me because I had just gotten a bunch of heat a couple days earlier for missing a guarantee by 15,000. So, you know, they had just come at me and said, well, how'd you miss this guarantee? And blah, blah, blah. Right. And you know, the kind of thing happens The discussion happens whenever you miss a guarantee. Uh, We were pretty clean on missing those during the LA poker classic. So I was just like shocked when this happened, I go, he goes, how would they respond to that? What would they think? I'm like, of course they'd love it. You know, the players are going to love that. Yeah. So we had to put all the numbers in, and it took another 15 minutes to make it happen. But yeah, not only with you know me, but also the World Poker Tour and the players, and they all responded very well. You know, of course we had those questions on Twitter. You know, people. And nobody's ever happy, right? Some people are saying, oh, they take so much rake anyway. Which again, WPT LAPC has one of the smallest rakes in poker, only 200 bucks at 10000 and yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty, I mean, it's really generous. And, and Yeah, it's really reasonable. So for them to do that, I think it's going above and beyond. And, you know, I think the commerce will be applauded for that. So Yeah, I, it should.
0: And also, yeah, business must be good. So that's a good sign. Business yeah, I mean. It's, and they're uh, just uh, dropping it in. So that's awesome. Well, that's exciting. Uh, I want to, I want I mean, there's so much to talk about. Just very interesting, your career. Uh, I have some notes. And looking back that you were, uh, it was, I think you, you started working at 14 years old. You were at a bowling alley. You wanted to be a professional bowler. Is that true?
1: Yeah, back in the day as, you know, started bowling when I was about 12 years old and loved it and uh, you know, met a lot of great people through uh, bowling, but I, you know, I thought I wanted to be a professional bowler, but then after doing it and, and bowling for so long, you know, up until 18, 19, 20, 21, I realized there was no real money in it. And that's the problem. You know, you have to be the top of the top and even those guys weren't making that much money, you know, to to You know, support a family or do those things. So a dream kind of died with that. But uh, it was definitely something that I looked uh, forward to doing. You know, I had done quite well locally, you know, in San Jose when I was growing up and uh, felt like it was something I would want to achieve or or try to to, to become. But it just never worked out. Never really thought uh, that that would be something that would be a reality. And so, were you? Were you like? What was
0: your? I mean, were you hitting three hundreds? I forget how bowling works. I know it's the best score, but it's very hard. Is that something you were like in your wheelhouse, or did you ever roll three hundred, or were you consistently getting some three hundreds? Or
1: yeah, I have about uh, twenty. I have twenty four three hundreds in oh, my life. Shit. Not all of them. Not all of them in tournaments. Not all of them in you know uh, leagues. Um, but in, you know, but with, with bumpers practice, or no? Were you, was, you were using bumpers for three hundreds or no? No, definitely not using bumpers. But yeah, I have. Uh, rolled a bunch of three hundreds. You know, no eight hundred series for three games, but a bunch of seven nineties and stuff like that. So. What's an eight hundred? Isn't it? Wouldn't it be nine hundred? No, it's eight hundred for
0: three games. How does that? No,
1: work? but no. Back in the day, though, you know, when we were coming up, the equipment wasn't as, so. You know, it wasn't as easy as it is today to do those things. So, uh, bowling three hundred day isn't what it was in the eighties. Uh, it's much different now. It's it's much more difficult back then than it was now because the equipment wasn't as good. It's kind of like golf. Everybody's getting better because of the equipment. Um, So it's something that, you know, was harder to achieve, but an 800 meant that you had to average 267 over three games. So Uh, that was one of the
0: things. One of the stats, one of the sort of things they track. I got it. All right. So all right. So you, you're bowling. You decide bowling. There's not enough money. Kind of similar to like chess, I guess, or backgammon. A lot of players kind of segue into poker games and these type of things, but they realize you're not going to make. It's very hard. Almost. You have to be number one or top to make even some, some decent money. Uh, so you, how did you
1: then stumble into poker? So You're living in San so, Jose, California,
0: correct? That you were yeah. The- I was
1: a service technician for an alarm company. And to be honest, I'm not very technical with uh, electronics, but You know, I kind of bluffed my way through that. And, uh, you know, in my off time, I'd go play a little 3-6 or 2-4 high-low Oldham, which is a game they don't play anymore, uh, at a local, you know, called Garden City in San Jose. And I would play, you know, and I was never a good player. I never uh, claimed to be a good player, but I enjoyed it. Uh, But I saw that the people that were working there were making a lot more money than I was selling chips. So Mm -hmm. uh, I decided to, leave what I was doing and kind of go with something I had a little more passion for, which was playing poker and uh, was going to make more money doing it also. So I started a job as a chip runner, which is kind of like, you know, it was an entry level position in a casino back in the day, you had to walk around with racks of chips and, and carry yeah. them, them to the players. Yeah. Who were playing poker. It was like a
0: bat boy. You know, you came up and the started doing something at the bottom and now here you are the, the, the mayor, the, the tournament director. I've, I've seen you've done over 400, Uh, televised episodes for being uh, the term director. I think that's the most in the history of... uh, Yeah, I mean, I
1: I can't Uh, imagine anybody doing more than that. Of probably closer to 500 now with all the World Poker Tour work I've done. But, you know, I worked a lot, you know, during the boom with the Fox Sports Nets and guys named uh, Gary Garcia. I started uh, the first time Matt Moranston, 441 Production, started with the World Series of Poker. I was there with those guys as well. And, you know, when all of those... uh, internet sites were doing television shows all the time. It seemed like I was always on set or always calling the action. So I did a lot of those things back and, in the day. And you
0: called, you were, you were, so you've been with the world poker tour, correct me if I'm wrong, 2002 or, or 2004 until now. Is that right? Like 15 years? Well, or so.
1: basically, you know, since the inception, you know, the first year uh, I was working at a casino called lucky chances up in Colma, California, which is right south of San Francisco. So that was the initial season. Uh, so I've basically been with, world poker tour in some form since the beginning but as executive tour director that started about eight years ago uh, when mm-hmm. i was hired and uh, been there ever since as the uh, executive tour director
0: and you you uh you called the moneymaker right on the mic you were with the world series during that time and didn't you call yeah. the our famous hand i mean that's an iconic moment uh, in hitting poker history really the three moneymaker
1: world series so you were there um calling that out is that right Yep, yeah, that was me in the background with the uh, the tuxedo on calling the action. And you know, as I said before, there was one one key hand where I thought I may have screwed up the entire World Series of poker and maybe the history of poker by announcing to to you know the audience and people that were in the room that uh, that Moneymaker had made the call when in actuality he had said raise. So, you know, he corrected me on the screen. If he's it's called the Block of the Century, but if you watch the YouTube video, you'll see that he said, "No, no, I raise, I raise." So I'm glad I didn't give anything away. Uh, that, Wait, talk, Carl- is that the hand, the hand he bluffed. The, the, the hand, hand he bluffed. Yeah, if you if you watch that video, you'll see that he says, "No, no, I raise, I raise." So, I mean, I'm lucky that that didn't give anything away and uh, screwed it up for Moneymaker to win the World Series poker. Wow, very interesting.
0: I'll have to go back and check that uh, that footage. That's 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 interesting. Yeah, that was, I mean, obviously a huge – I mean, the, the fact that he won the World Series, the name's Moneymaker, ESPN, the boom, all that. I mean, it's pretty pretty special. And for you to be front row and call it, that's, that's awesome. What a – I mean, there's got to be so many, I mean, you've been front line to so many questions and, and uh, disputes in, in poker. What has been some of the more um, difficult decisions or stuff that you've had to make, maybe with someone getting removed in a big spot of a tournament or deep or, you know, has there been any stuff that's, give me like one or two examples of, of very unusual and dynamic situations that you've had to make a, a
1: call on? Well, you know, there's been, I've been pretty lucky not having to eliminate too many people from, from any poker tournaments. And in my career, I've tried to do the best thing to like diffuse situations that would get people, you know, to be kicked out of the tournament. But, you know, there have been a couple overtimes, and, you know, when there's a physical altercation, we have no say in anything like that. So that's happened once here, uh, where two people got in a fight. So I had to, of course, eliminate them from the tournament and had no choice there. But yeah. some of the other ones are like a guy, you know, who was new to poker? He went to the bathroom, brought his chips with him to the bathroom. Mm. I was looking for him. I couldn't find him. He came back out of the bathroom, pulled his chips out of his pocket, put them on the table, and, you know, wanted to play. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm sorry. You know, we have a rule that you cannot remove tournament chips from the, from the playing area, uh, you know, in this spot. You know, I would like to do something for you, but I can't. And uh, I said, you know, I'm going to have to eliminate you from the tournament. So yeah. that was one of the ones that was, you know, a tough one. I really wanted to, you know, try to do what was fair for this guy. I knew he was a new player. Right. You know, it had been somebody that I knew knew better. It would have been a lot easier. But, you know, when somebody you've never seen before, you know, you don't want to ruin their experience and maybe never see him again because of a situation right. where you you – End up kicking him out of the tournament. And how, how
0: did he respond to that? Was he furious? Was he like, "I get it, sorry about that"? And you know, or how did that? How did that not play out?
1: He wasn't furious, but he just kind of said, "I don't know any better. I mean, it's my first time playing the tournament. Right. So, you know, I played right. online and things." It's
0: the precedent, right? It's just one of those things where even if you're sure, you just open up a ball, a ball of wax there, and you right because everybody
1: else at the table is looking at you to make a decision or make a call on the table. And if you don't make the right one, you know they're going to say, "Hey, you he didn't kick this guy out." Maybe right. I can do that too, or maybe you know I'll do something even more nefarious in the future, where I can bring chips to the bathroom and pass them off to someone or do something like that. You obviously don't want that. What? Give me, give me,
0: uh, give me your feeling on. I just the one that stands out the most was the most bizarre situation I've heard was uh, the player at the Aria. Got put into the 25k. He bought like 165 dollar buy in, and there he goes, you know, sits in. He's playing, you know, knocking out Marchese, knocking out some of the world, the game's best, and he finds himself deep, almost in the money, and and then they notice it, and this guy. Who registered for a daily, maybe a $125 tournament, is playing a $25,000 buy-in first? Is probably four to six hundred thousand, and he's down to the final table or you know t- two tables deep with a lot of chips, and he's removed people from the tournament. I mean, that to me was one of the more shocking things I've ever heard for a bunch of reasons. Where do you, how do you look at that, and and how do you think that situation was handled? I'm sure you're aware of that.
1: Well, yeah. First, I think that they, you know. They got him out of the tournament right away, which I think is something they needed to do. Other people have told me, hey, he should have had the option to make up the difference, you know, in twenty five thousand versus one hundred twenty. Oh wow, guys. come up with you could have then. All right, here's other twenty four seven. Or yeah,
0: ever like Alpha, I, I probably doesn't have it right on him or on him. Like who's you know, a guys playing a hundred dollar tournament? It's that's pretty insane. Uh, but that's interesting. I didn't even consider that option because at that point, yeah, I've never,
1: I've never once brought twenty thousand to a casino in my life. So I. You know, as yeah. far as that goes, probably the average. I don't, I don't
0: roll. I usually am not bringing that. Yeah, I'm not holding that money on me unless I'm planning to play a tournament like that size or a cash game. It's just not something you carry on your or, you know, you can't just easily get it out of the ATM or whatnot. But at that point, maybe you go to Marchese or one of the guys like, hey, you know, uh, I don't know. But that's interesting. So what, what? Yeah. What happens? I still don't even really understand. I think they refunded the players that got knocked out or I forget how it got sorted. But that, that's definitely a mess.
1: I think they kind of keep it – they tried to keep it under wraps because, you know, it was a bad luck for the casino. You know, it was a big mistake. So they tried amazing. to keep it under wraps. But I think – you know, I know they did some – made some accommodations for those guys that were eliminated because they are their normal players, you know. It would be different if it was just like a one-time occurrence and a one-time event. I don't think those players uh, – You know, again, I always say if they could have eliminated and won those chips, which there would have been no penalty for those guys. Let's say the guy busted out right away. You're not going to, you know, penalize those players that won the chips – so how can you penalize the guy that's, you know, eliminated those other players? And, you know, I, I believe that they, you know, made some kind of statement to him that, you know, you either need to figure out a way to make this right or or to, you know, you're going to be barred from the casino, right? Right. So I kind of feel sorry for the guy a little bit. I think that, you know, at some point he realized it. And I think at that point he should have spoke up. So I don't have a problem with what they did, you know, by, you know, barring the patron for doing that because right. you're going you're gonna to figure it out, right? I think you have to figure it out. Even if you're like a, a low limit tournament player, and you look around, and you see all these, you know, big name players. Yeah. At some point, you're going to figure it out. I, I don't know what his plan was. I don't know if his plan was to take a shot because with the Bravo system, if you're not registered for that tournament, you can't cash out of that tournament. And mm-hmm. they use the Bravo system there at the Aria. So I'm not sure what his plan was, but I think it kind of got lost in the, the fact yeah. when he started winning. Pop-
0: Ops, right that, that's the thing though that's so interesting because like you're saying say he just wins the tournament or he cashes for not 100, 100 000, right and then then it would, could be like oh well all right yeah take my 25 buying out right like oh shoot i you know uh yeah then that, that, i don't know so, <laughs> I, i'm sure i'm sure there's crazy you, there was that cat valdez situation right. you know she was one of the thirst lounge 10 part of that team the program and then she came out some youtube videos on it it was it got some uh, heat and some, and you know, people going saying stuff. So stuff like this happens, right? I mean, there's, there's, it's inevitable. There's going to be errors. There's going to be mistakes, and and these type of things do happen along the way. But I'm sure you've seen, you've seen it all. Uh, you also were in a movie, The Lucky You. What was? How did you get tied up into that? That's uh, that was back. Well, I want to go back down. to, I want to go
1: to back to Cad Valdez for a second okay. because I think you know it's what again one of those things. I don't want to see people leave poker because of a mistake that they made and right. i think that she did i think she got left the poker industry because of that because yeah, i think she I felt definitely, like was,
0: definitely she got scrutinized for it right or wrong or if there was you know, that's a problem you know you can always think or assume someone did this or someone did that or whatever or maybe like you know, you get put in a scenario where you kind of feel, oh wait, I've already been playing for a bit. Now maybe I realize it. Now what do I do? Because it's like already weird, you know. And she's new, and it's unc- like so, yeah. You just you don't want to make assumptions on what someone knew or didn't know or what they're doing, and, and it's uh it's a it's a bit intense, right? So yeah, I mean, yeah. She didn't
1: it. she didn't handle her post game very well, you know. Right. The post game interviews didn't go come off very well. Right. But I think that she felt that there was too much negativity following that, and you know, I hate to lose players like that because she was a good social. You, you
0: froze for a sec, Matt. Can you hear me? Because your, your camera's frozen. I'm back. You're back. All right. Come on, man. Show, show off that commerce internet for those, those poker grinders. And <laughs> yeah, we're I hope, back. I hope it's not choppy. You are at the Commerce Live. So yeah, anyway, I agree. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with you on all that. Um, so tell me a little about this movie. You were, you were in this, uh, I, I forget what year, early 2000s, I believe, the, the Lucky You, Drew Barrymore. It was a poker movie. Um, how did you get into that uh, that scene or get tied up with that to get invited to be a part of that?
1: Well, it was a big buzz around you know the industry. You know, uh, a Oscar winning director, uh, you know Curtis Hansen, who had won with La Confidential and had done Eight Mile with Eminem, uh, was going to do a poker movie. So a lot of excitement. Uh, you know, it was top um, peak poker boom time and people were excited and you know his goal and their goal was to have as many poker players not only uh be in the movie but also to kind of um you know help them produce a movie that was the most realistic poker movie at its time and you know while uh, it, all that was going on. People were going, well, are you going to go be an advisor? Are you going to, you know, think about it? Because it was surrounded around the 2003 World Series of Poker. That was kind of the background of the whole thing. And we were going to go to Bellagio and to Binion's and and all those things. So, uh, yeah, I was interested. I wanted to be a part of it. So I, you know, reached out and tried to be, uh, you know, an extra or figure out some way that I could be in the movie as well. And so, it ended up being that I became kind of like a, an extra advisor on the thing on the movie. And so when they were casting for certain roles in the movie, I said, well, I could be the tournament director of opinions because I was a tournament director of opinions. So I thought it'd be easy to do. And so I went out and applied for it and they ended up hiring an actor for it. So I thought, Oh, well that sucks. I kind of didn't do that, but I'm still going to be advisor on the movie. I, I told them about the way the room looked and all the props that they would need and things like that. And, how the chips looked and how, you know, everything that was surrounding Binion's at that time was. And so later on the production was going to move to LA. And so I went with them to the production because they were going to set up a whole stage, which looked like Benny's bullpen uh, from Binion's horseshoe, where the room where we had the final table. And then the role came up for, tournament director at the World Series of Poker, which put, one was a satellite director, which is one that I tried out for, and this one was the tournament director. And so I went down with, like, literally 200 other people, including actors and things like that, to audition for that role, and I got it. So I was named the, you know, actor, or whatever they want to call it, for this role. And it was pretty easy for me because, again, it's something that I did every day. And and it was just announcing the final table. Little did I know that, that you know, these were... Intense days. It was a month straight, pretty much 10, 12, 14 hour days, which I'm used to by working on the floor at these events. So, but it was pretty intense to be a part of that. Uh, And they ended up using my, you know, cadence and my timing throughout the scenes as I would start a scene by announcing something and then the actor would come in and then I would say something else and then the other actor would say something. So they ended up amusing me quite a bit. So I got actually two credits on that movie from being uh, you know, an advisor and being an actor in the movie. Uh, they wouldn't let me use my own name, which was okay. So I'm known as Gil Edwards in that movie and uh, it was a, it was a great, uh, great experience for me. I loved it and I'm still getting checks for it. So it's an okay thing. There you go. Not nothing wrong with that. Um, all right. Here's
0: here's one thing. You are. We're going to talk about the the tournament director. You know. You I guess the the title. You came up with this. Uh, the poker TDA. The founder of this. And and just before we talk about that more and what that means and how that came about. Explain to me where you think poker is at in terms of being uniform with these rules, like big blind Annie, such an innovation, saves so much time, you know, great. The shot clocks, these type of things really help the game, in my opinion, to speed stuff up and just overall are great, you know, innovations, which is great. It shows you there's always new stuff that can be done, right? And this is something poker has been around forever. All of a sudden these, these type of things get, get, uh get added and they're great. Uh, but I, one thing I was over at Dust Till Dawn playing a few times now in the last, Four months. I got to play with William Kasouf over there, who's a character in his own right. Um, but something that when I played with him, I didn't realize. And this is, you know, this is a, this is a world poker. Maybe it was a world poker tour, or a side event, or it was a, it was a, some event uh, there. And the the rules across the pond are over in this part of the world in Europe versus the U.S. It was vastly different because in, in here, I feel like in the U.S. and a lot of places, if I talk about the weather. And a hand of dealers like no talking and I think they're trained or that's just sort of ingrained not to talk about your hand you can't say oh I got this or that but then at the at the at, you know dust till dawn and, and apparently European rules you can say I got ace King fold I got this oh you have kings are no good you know and William Kasuf takes it to the extreme and he's saying crazy stuff won't won't stop talking it's a little bit abrasive but then again you know it's interesting because I kind of think that poker's missing. Some of the talking and back in the old days and the Jamie Gold took it over the line and showing cards and talking and it's kind of exciting and fun, but maybe too much. And then the Kasuf doing that no- over there now, but yet you can't even like say, man, do you have, I think you have this or like if your heads up and wh- how is that so different? And how just, Tell me what you think. What's going on with all that? I want to know what's, what, what's the difference in these two scenarios and, and where do you fall on the, uh, the talking in hands and, and, and what's going on? And what are the actual rules? Maybe you could share with people on the on both sides of the pond uh, as well. So that's a lot I threw at you. But this, is, this kind of blows my mind because it's very interesting.
1: Well, we used to have, there used to be a rule in Europe where you could never talk about basically anything involving the hand. It was never that stringent on that. Our rule is you cannot disclose the contents of your hand. I'm all for table talk. I think it makes the game more interesting. Yeah. It makes the game more fun. I want to see be able people be able to talk. I don't want people to be able to have an open right to disclose their hand. And and Daniel and I have gone back and forth on this. I thought that Jamie Gold got away with way too much. I know that William Casu probably gets away with way too much. But it is a rule in the TDA that you cannot disclose the contents of your hand. Meaning I can't say, Jeff, don't call me. I have two aces, right? Right. That makes sense. Right. So you don't want that. People, some people want it. Phil Helmuth thinks it's fine, that he should be able to say whatever he wants. But Phil Helmuth doesn't run tournaments. So he doesn't understand that, hey, maybe I came in with you. Maybe you and Antonio are at the same table. And Antonio says to you, hey, Jeff, don't call me. I have two aces. Now I get called to the table. These guys are colluding. I get over to the table. And they say, well, you know, I know that Jeff and Antonio are good friends. Why right. is he telling me as has a phone call? You know, that to me is a colluding spot, right? You, you've basically gotten away with something that they want to make it cannot be legal. Because remember, the TDA isn't just for the $10,000 buying event. It's not just for the World Poker Tour. It's not just for the World Series of Poker. It's for everybody. It's right. for every tournament across the country. It's for the you know $20 tournament, daily tournament that you may play in. And if we allow that kind of thing to go on in those $20 tournaments where people are trying to get from these players that are going to be playing, you know, in $10,000 events someday, then, you know, it's just not fair for all. So we try to be really strong on that. I am, you know, a little more loose on it than I think others are. I'm a little more loose on it than I want other people to be on that because I feel like I can make better decisions, um, you know, more educated decisions because I've been doing it for so long, on whether somebody's colluding or not. So it's in the rules for a reason. It's in the rules to protect new players. It's in the rules to protect players in general. uh, So the collusion doesn't happen. But, um, you know, again, I'm all for table talk. I think table talk should be allowed. Um, Annoying table talk maybe a different story, like William Kasouf can be annoying at times. But, you know, again, I don't want to change the game so much that, it's not fun anymore. I want it to be yeah. fun. I want new players to play it. And uh, yeah. you know, every once in a while, that comes up every single year. People say you should be able to talk about whatever you want. And I disagree with that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. But I do feel
0: by default, I think dealers are leaning very heavily on no talking, you know, where it's like almost. And I think that's part of the issue with the tank, not necessarily the tanking, but now, you know, the game gotten so much, seems more serious and, and some of the stuff televised, you know, there's less talking and all that. But I just, I kind of notice as a whole, my experience when I'm playing live is there's less talking. And if there's any kind of thing, if this dealer, I I generally, a lot of times I think the dealer is not even right with like what they're saying about, you know, there's no talking during the hand or no talking about your hand. I get it. You shouldn't say, Oh, I think you have aces or I have ace king, you know, full like that stuff for sure. But I, I don't know. I just feel like there's a little bit of a, and it's like a little unclear. That would be my feedback, or maybe to, to try to let a little more talking in general go. Just obviously can't talk about your specific hand. So I don't know. It's interesting. Um, well, but either way, I, I do feel that it's uh, poker. It seems to be booming live. What's your? Uh, we'll, we'll circle back to the to your uh, founding of that. But what do you feel about live poker in general? The numbers seem to be up all over
1: the place. Is that? Does that? Your yeah. Experience? One of the things you just said is is allowed. One of the things you just said is allowed. By the way, I think you have aces. You can say that. Right. That's, oh, that's you, can pay, you can say
0: like I think you have this. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I don't have no problem. With it. So, so I'm telling you like that for sure. That type of stuff gets shut down like without fail. Like if I'm in a okay. hand up the river and a guy's all in, I'm like, man, I'm sure you got kings here. He, like that is like they say, do not say that. I'm just saying like that's like I'm 99 sure on like. Pretty much every table, maybe that would be good to go over and clarify, and have some statement or a video about that type of stuff. Because or not, maybe that'll just cause more confusion and everyone just start. It will definitely about. cause more confusion. But, but like, I'm gonna si- I'm gonna cut this this clip and uh, have it on my phone saved and show a dealer um, if a <laughs> up. I'm telling you that stuff for sure. Like they'll be like, no, you can't talk about the hand when you're in a hand, right?
1: So I think it's confusing. Yeah, I, yeah. It, I do. I don't think it's it is. Confusing. It about. is confusing. And again, that's why I'm just like. I'm a little more lenient on stuff like that, but again, I don't have really have an issue if people are saying you can't talk about your hand if, because it is part of the rule. The rule is you can't disclose the contents of your hand. I
0: just can't Here. wait to put someone in a hand. Have you in the room at, uh, next, with the next time I'm in a tournament? and I'm going to call Savage over, and I'm not—I'm going to do it respectfully, but I'm just going to—I'm let her know because it just—it just seems like they're—that's how they're training. Maybe again by default, that makes it a lot simpler to just be like, this is how it is and keep it simple instead of opening cuz that's even confusing itself you can say what you think they
1: have but you can't say what you have um i don't know anyway that, that it's- That's why I've been running a little smack during the LA Poker Classic when people have been texting me rules a lot it seems like in the last month I'm like you should come out to the LAPC you know we don't right. have this issue what, what were the, <laughs> was the LAPC
0: is it it's a buy reentry or not or it always has been or not? it used to be a freeze out is it still no there's no reentry it's a $1000 buy has been from the beginning and will continue to be so that's no I entry. I, thought, I think I saw something. Okay, I saw Joe Hashim get knocked out, he said he was going back and maybe he men in a different event. I mean, there's numerous there's numerous events, obviously side yeah. events and whatnot. Okay, and that's I what we Kristen want to do, Biggero. you know. Yeah. That's great. How, what is, what, what is, is there, what is the, how adaptive are the schedules? Are you making every year? Is it relatively the same? Are you adding new stuff? And, and have you seen the numbers increase in LAPC, which is a staple, for example, how have those numbers been over the past few
1: years? So we did something this year that's, you know, we haven't done for a while now and I'm trying to get rid of multiple reentry, uh, And I did that this year in the uh, LA Poker Classic. I did, single reentry entry as a maximum and more tournaments than not were no re-entry. Right. And so, you know, both sides of those have their arguments. You know, if people are coming from, you know, long distances or fighting LA traffic and things like that, you know, they may not come if they can't uh, re-enter because they, you know, they're not going to get in their car feeling like they could uh, not be able to get back in, bust out in one hand or whatever. So, The way we did it this time is we allowed single reentry in some no-limit events. All the mixed games had no reentry, but at the same time, we also uh, added other events so that if people busted out, they could play in those instead of, you know, having to go back home. And, of course, what tournaments have always been for that people seem to forget is to play cash games. And, you know, commerce, you know, has 160 poker tables downstairs that you can go downstairs and play cash games. And that used to be what poker tournaments were all about. You get people in town, they play a tournament, they bust out, they go play cash games, they try and get even, they get, you know, more stuck. That's where the action's at. The, ac- the action was actually in the cash games. For sure. And, you know, the commerce is really strong on that. They really want to promote that. And that's why they've never had a reentry in the main event. Uh, and that's why I had a great postland schedule here where they can play in those other events.
0: Absolutely. Well, before we we get shy away from this, I do want to. You are the so you're executive tournament director of the WPT. You're the Poker TDA founder. You're also the Commerce Casino Bay 101, and you're you're basically the main tournament director at a lot of these venues. Uh, I want to know how you do all of that and how you hit all these stops. But first, tell me a little bit about the Poker TDA. You're a founder of that, and and what that
1: is exactly. So back in 2001, uh, you know I was running poker tournaments at the lucky chances casino, but also playing in the local tournaments and everywhere I went, the rules were different. So it was a problem. So I got in my mind, I was going to go down and I was going to change the industry. I was going to do something and shake it up. And so I walked into the world series of poker 2001. First time I'd ever walked into the world series. I'd never even been at the world series prior to this. And okay. I went up to the tournament director, Bob Thompson uh, and said to him, I said, Bob, what do you think about standardizing rules? And, you know, basically I got pushback, kind of laughed at and said, you know, this has been tried before, it's never going to happen. And luckily at that time I knew uh, Linda Johnson and Linda Johnson had run a poker industry conference every year. And she said, you know, I don't hate the idea. I I like the idea. Why don't we try and put it on the tail end of it? And so, you know, with her and Jan Fisher and Dave Lamb, we said, we're going to try to do this. So the first year we had 25, um, tournament directors and cardroom managers from around the country that all met in a room at uh, the Orleans casino. And uh, we tried to put this thing together. And out of that, we started the TDA and the TDA um, grew every year. Like I think the next year there was 40. And after that there was 60 and then there was 80. And now we do it every other year uh, at the ARIA. The ARIA is very nice. They host us there and have 200, tournament directors, card room managers, and players from around the world that come in and uh, are a part of the TDA. And basically what we've done is we kind of every year kind of review the rules, tweak rules, or add something new uh, and get a lot of ideas out of that as well, networking to try and make sure that we're doing what's best for the players. And I think that we've achieved that over time with the TDA. And, uh, you know, it's not always easy. Something new comes up every once in a while, first card off the deck, you know, last card off the deck, kills your hand. Uh, This year, I knew that big blind uh, ante would be a big topic. I really wanted to get people away from doing two different things because, again, in standardization, I don't think it's fair for the players. If you go to one place, it's button ante. If you go to another place, it's uh, big blind ante. And Party Poker was a big part of that. Party Poker was uh, one of the people that were doing a button ante and uh, got them to change over to. Uh, Big Blind Ante, not for me, not for the TDA, but for the players, you know. So if you go play one of their events, everybody's doing the same thing, and I think it's fair for one, fair for all. There are some things that come up from time to time that are, you know, that people feel too strongly about. And the way the TDA works is I'll propose a rule, you know, that has been brought up to me, and then everybody in the room says, yeah, I like it, yeah, I don't like it. If we get like 80% that say, yeah, we can do this or we like it, what we'll do is we'll try and push the other 20% over. If we can't push the 20% over, it doesn't become a rule. And so, you know, it's one of those things where we don't force people to do something, but we'll, what we want is for everybody to do the same thing for the players so that the rules are standard. Uh, you know, it there was a bit of an issue last year because, unfortunately, Jack Effel was so busy with the World Series of Poker. He was unable to attend the last day, and we really were pushing for big blind ante and this thing called ante first, which means that, you know, it's one of the big discussions and points about it. When you're all in for less than a big blind, where does that money go to? We came to the agreement with everybody in the room that it would be anti first and Jack wasn't there and he didn't. he's now in a position of he doesn't want to be forced to have to do all the rules that we use on the TDA, which I understand. I mean, he's got you know the biggest and the best tournament in the world there at the World Series of Poker. So, you know, it's one of those things that is kind of up in the air. We're still... 90% of the people are now going to do it anti first and the world series poker, which is so big, it's still doing it big blind first, still trying to push them over the edge, try and get them to go to the same thing. But again, it's just one of those things that comes up from time to time that creates confusion for the players, right? I don't want to create confusion for the players. I want everything to be. So
0: P main event, will have big blind ante only or not, or that was the discussion, right? That was like a, did you say that you would bet it or someone was talking about it. That was saying, yeah, Big, but you were saying it would be, and it is going to be, or it's
1: still not sure. No, it is, it is, and it was last year. This was two years ago. I two years before. That, okay, yeah, yeah. I'd, that's right. I'd said it was going to be big blind ante, and you know Jack ended up going to it after seeing it. You know he does the right thing. He tests tests it through the circuit, make sure everything's okay with it, and then brings it to the World Series Poker. So that makes sense.
0: The, I got to ask. This is a hot topic. You know, I've been seeing pictures, and the chip leader going into day four has a mask on. The coronavirus scare, or hype, whatever it is, whichever side you're on, take it, not, you know, you got to take stuff serious and and you just kind of things that we're not experts in on what, what is, or what isn't, or is this a threat or a concern for the poker? Do you think you you hear talk of Doug Polk, um, Timex, these guys, Bill Perkins chiming in about it. I've had people offering me, action on it on the World Series, is it going to happen? Is it not? Are you worried about other events currently with what's happening? And California does have a, you know, and the U.S., I guess it's the most cases, uh, maybe around 30 or so, I don't know now. This was a few days ago I saw, but where do you, where do you feel about this this topic that's uh, hot and present at
1: the moment? Well, it's obviously a tough one for me. Obviously, you know, not only for myself, but for me, because people made the decision not to come. High-profile players texted me and told me they're not coming because of this. So did it hurt our event? Yeah, it hurt our event. Uh, So again, it puts me in a super tough position uh, for me to say, hey, don't worry about it. At the time, there was one case in Los Angeles. One single person. And So uh, do I believe that it's uh, a problem? Yes. Do I believe it could be a big problem? Yes. But is it a problem now? I don't think so. As much as people are are fearful of it. I don't think it is uh, that big of a problem now. But again, you know, since we started the tournament, you know, a couple of people have died in Washington from it. A casino closed in Washington because of it. They closed uh, because it
0: entirely I mean, they shut their doors for the time being, not closed. Yeah, completely. right. I would that would not permanently. Well, they shut yeah. their doors again. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I mean, listen, I'm I'm flying to Sochi tomorrow I'm doing the commentary for the the uh, poker go and and uh, party poker event with Rob young and doing that event I, I'm looking forward to it I'll be honest I'm a little bit worried but at the same time I mean it's uh, one of those things right it's like there's flu there's stuff everywhere you know if you're healthy it's it's just kind of one of those things you, you want to take precautions but you also want to live your life and it's tricky because exactly you don't want to just say oh no everything's guaranteed fine you know you're talking about health and people's safety. But at the same time, yeah, it's tr- It is a tricky spot for you, I think, or just in general, you know, especially when casinos, it's, you got a lot of people, there's chips, there's at a small, you're in a closed area. It's yeah, it's definitely not like the number one place you'd want to be that if there's like some kind of scare, but it's also like, you got to be realistic and also just wash your hands and and take care of yourself and not touch your face and all those, those things. So if you, if you're a betting man, which I believe you are, is is the world series happening? What's the line? What does Savage think? I, I would think you're the maybe the line
1: setter. Even out of major, <laughs> What do we got? I keep 20. hearing twelve to one. I keep hearing twelve to one. Uh, I think that's a good line. I mean, I can't see it can't being canceled. I really can't. The thing you know, is, Olympics. You know the lines for the Olympics, right? Yeah. What is the line for the Olympics?
0: It's like plus one seventy five if you think it's going to happen, and minus two sixty five to bet that it uh, that it will not. Um, I think, or vice versa, but it's a dog. So like th- if you were to bet the life, you type it in the line is that the you're betting that it will happen when it's scheduled. So the other side is it's canceled, postponed, or location is moved. But the Olympic committee, I believe is saying it's out of those scenarios. It's basically canceled, right? Cause it doesn't make a ton of sense. Everyone's got everything set up. What are you going to do? London said they would take it. But then what? Now there's some cases in London, you know, you move everything over. Plus, then I think the real problem is you got everyone coming from all over the world to that one location. Now you're like, you know, bringing traffic and flights and and congregating a big event. So it's very complicated. They're they're playing games in uh, the Serie A. The, the top league in Italy with no stadium. They're playing in like just a closed thing, the games, regularly, Like the NBA Lakers playing the Warriors and they just play in the Staples Center, but there's no crowd. Like that's what they're doing at the top mm-hmm. level in soccer and stuff. So, I mean, you know, when, I hear what you're saying about the World Series, but at the same time, if they're going to shut down an event, I mean, think about the, it's probably trillion dollars or more multi-billions, the, the economy, right? Japan, they prep for this forever. The athletes, the people, the, the training, the, all that goes into it, it's a pretty big deal to say we're going to stop the Olympics. I mean, I, I don't think since World War II, there's been a pause and uh, there's not been a, a, they've done that. So I don't know. I don't know what to think, but it definitely seems like it's a real thing. It's not just like, you know, people are, the market's lost 1.7 trillion, maybe more now. This was a week ago. So I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an intense deal. i just curious, but 12 to one. I, I That's interesting. I would bet you on that, but I don't really like betting on people's marriages and, you know, <laughs> these type of things. It's sort of like one of those, it's Just not really like, it's just sort of, uh, just hope everything's for the best, right? I don't, we don't need to. Yeah. Dale yeah, O'Brien
1: came up with one, said, uh, I'll bet you that you know somebody that's going to die for, it. we will know somebody that's going to die from this. And it's like, why are they, why are they opening that up? Why are they that's, even talking? About that's that? dark. I love them, that, but that's, yeah, come on. <laughs> that's what
0: I'm saying, you gotta think about these things you're saying. It's pretty pretty crazy uh but yeah um all right so i hear you you're around the 12 to 1 I mean that's okay i think it's uh it's interesting i think we'll know pretty soon right it's going to either slow down and get sorted out or there's going to be a little more hysteria and, and we'll see but um fair enough so uh i want i want to know what you think about the 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 numbers and the overall economy of poker at the moment do you feel that i mean I'll let you tell, what do you feel about live poker? Let's start there and then we can talk about online. What do you think about the the state of live poker at the moment?
1: I mean, I think it's very healthy. There's definitely, you know, the issue for me and somebody like me is that while I think it's so healthy and, and you just see the numbers are not as big in some spots, but it's because there's a local tournament or a tournament in your part of the country or your part of the world every single day. Right? So when the World Poker Tour has the Deep Stacks Tour and they have the uh, main tour and then Party Poker has its things that are going on and then the WSOP has the circuit and then there's the other, you know, mid-major tours that are going on around the country and around the world. You don't need to travel as much. You don't need to go as far if you're going to play an event because, you know, you have something that you can play in your neighborhood and if you have something that you can drive to rather than fly to, Who's not going to make that choice? So it's a really tough one for us to be in that kind of position to get everybody into one place at the same time. And right. it's just, I just don't feel like that's going to happen anymore. I Do I think there needs to be some consolidation? Absolutely. I think there needs to be less. I mean, back in the day, okay, we're going to go play this WPT event because it's the only event going on. Now right. you can go and play something you know, across town
0: or the- you know. as their series, there's the, the stars, there's, there's Australia, like all these venues have their, you know, it's in Montreal, there's all these hubs and they have their own series as well as the main event stuff. And it's, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. So in a way it's like the numbers are probably even just way better and bigger. It's it's almost, there's just so much sharing, right. That's, that's, there's so many crossover and, and overlap. And now exactly you got, you're part of the world. You've got a good option likely or soon coming up.
1: Right, and so in L.A., there's 800 poker tables in L.A. County, right? So, you know, every single day of the year, there's a what they would call like a tournament series going on. And with reentry and the quantum and all of these other things going on, it's hard to say that these guys and we aren't busting players too fast, right? If people get, you know, burnt out or whatever, because there's just so many things going on, you know, eventually more people are gonna run out of money. There is costs to running a tournament, uh, which are passed on to the players. So because it's not zero sum for those players, they're going to lose money, you know, over time. The majority of people are going to lose over time if they keep playing these things. So, you know, the fact that there is all of these reentries and all of these different kind of formats, you know, some people are going busted. Let's be honest. It's uh it's a problem for somebody like me. Yeah, it's it is
0: it is interesting.
1: What um what would be, what
0: do you think about this now? Party poker. I, I've qualified for a couple on this way that, that they are now having the World Poker Tour um, as well as some of their other events, but able to play day one and two online and come to day three. I actually did this for uh, Nottingham for a WPT there and ended up, I literally was like, all right, you know, it's far. If I, if I, it's kind of cool because you get to get your uh, WPT, you get a cash, you're in the money. Go over there, justifies sort of the travel, the expense, and and then it's already your position in the money, and it's fun. Uh, where do you stand in, in on this this format? And there's some other ones they've done this for too. What do you what are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, Simon Trumper came to me and asked me about it. Uh, at, uh, I think it was during last summer, and I thought, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I it's unfortunate because you know us in the United States, we can't play online, so we couldn't even you know attempt to do that yeah. uh, unless we oh, wanted to go. Fair a lot of guys. A lot of guys that are that are pros like myself have you know set
0: up in, in another country and are have access to it or maybe even live out of the country and can do it. But you're right, it's not. It would be pretty amazing if everyone in the U.S. could just sit at home and do it, right? It would probably add a significant amount of entries. But I'm just curious on the overall thoughts on the overall. You know, obviously, it looks like you signed off on it, right? I mean, that's they're they're essentially going. Through. Yeah, I think so.
1: I think it's a good idea. You know, yeah. what some of the things that they're coming up with, Rob Young, and you know, things he's attempting he's putting money back into poker. I can't complain about that. I think that's a great thing. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm happy at the World Poker Tour as a partner of Hardy Poker on a lot of different stops. And I think that, you know, what they're doing is impressive and, and difficult. You know, it's not easy what they're doing. And Rob has been the first to say they've made some mistakes. And, and you know, we've all made mistakes. But we're all, you know, guys that are in this industry uh, are trying to do things better for the industry. And, you know, I, I really... You know, it it bothers me more than anything else when people come to us and say that we're just on one side trying to, you know, make things, uh, you know, just do things for ourselves or do things for the casinos to try and make more money. Because it's not the case with me, and I know it's not the case with Rob Young. So I would love to see uh, more people trying to invest back in the industry. Obviously, I think it's one of those things that's uh, vital for the success and the longevity of the game. Uh, So I'm really happy with what they're doing. Again, like I said, I'm happy that we have them as a partner on the World Poker Tour.
0: Which events currently are you? Do you know exactly? Because I'm trying to remember. I think I remember that. Well, for sure, Nottingham. I took place in that and 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 did that route and went there. And uh, what other WPTs are are have that option as of now? Do you I know? don't think
1: that, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's. Uh, I don't know which ones they've come up with. Uh, I know it works. It's not like it's. I don't feel like there's any kind of inherent advantage from that.
0: I mean, yeah, that, that's more my question too, you know, it's inevitable someone's going to build a big stack or they're going to win the event from that route. They'll come in day 3 and then right. it's like it start you start I don't you could argue, right? Both ways. I mean, I think obviously it adds it adds money to the prize pool, it adds entries. It makes sense for maybe even amateurs or, or from that standpoint that don't want to maybe spend all that time. So they come in day three. They're in the money. They could play one day at home, save. And if they don't make it, then they save the flight. They save a couple of days of hotels. And and that's a lot of big you know, time saving. So I think that makes sense. I, I just I don't know. I'm just curious if, if that would be if you think that could uh, like asterisk or take away from the overall. You know, it's a little different because now you're winning a World Poker Tour brick and mortar event from part, a hybrid online, which, you know, I I don't see a problem with it, but I just wonder if what you would say to those that would say that, Hey, that's not really the,
1: the spirit. I don't don't have an issue with that. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the quantum events, which means, you know, all these guys come in and they buy in for uh, like 125 bucks. And then they, uh, the pros come in on day two and take advantage of that and buy in for a bigger amount. It's kind of the same thing, but not really, because, uh, I don't know what the averages of chips that they come into, you know, on day two, I'm not sure how that works. Um, yeah. But I, you know, like I said, I don't really have a problem with the online part of that. I think that that's fine. I'm not really a big fan of the quantum type tournaments though. I mean, that to me is, I think a little bit over the edge and I think it takes advantage of the local and recreational players. I don't think this one does. So. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I'm I'm aligned with you there. Uh, tell me a little about the Bay 101 shooting star and what I went to it. A few years ago, I was a shooting star, and then I think the the casinos renovations or went down. What what is the current status of the Bay One Hundred One and the shooting star that event, and, and what is happening with that now?
1: So the shooting star is happening. It's uh, coming up in March, uh, the eleventh through the fourteenth. It's a fifty two hundred dollars buy. I must have missed that, What's
0: email. that. I must have missed the
1: email. <laughs> I'm going to go back
0: through it. It came.
1: Yeah, you must have missed it. I think you missed
0: it. No, no, I'm in Russia, but I, I would have. I, I've done it. It's great. It is It is very unique. It's honestly, it's a special deal, like how much people love poker in San Jose. It's almost crazy, like the amount of people that line up and, you know, people are signing autographs, and it feels like 0304 for Vegas from what I heard, like Hashem was telling me he couldn't walk through Vegas back, you know, when he won the main event the next year and, and, he, and it was, people were lined up on the tables and it was just, it's got that kind of uh, energy. So yeah, tell me a little bit about how long was it
1: paused and what it's back now last year as well, or when, what, what is it's the back. Uh, last year it came back, but it's not a world poker tour event, but mm. uh, that's the unfortunate thing. You know, obviously I'd love to pair them together. Uh, you know, my love, my family, my WPT family yeah. is, the people that, you know, I want to do every event with them, but I've been also with Bay 101 since the the 90s. So when they went off the world poker tour, the WPT, which I have an exclusive with kind of grandfathered this one in as something that I've done before. And they allow me to run that event still. So yeah, it's still going on, but it's not a WPT event, but again, still 200 satellite winners will be in that event. Uh, You know, we are limited to 30 tables, uh, which I've knocked it down to a one day start. So we do 30 tables plus alternates. You know, it's, packed but it's it's an exciting event and you know the field to be honest is probably the best 5k field you're going to find all year and so i you know is that not with the wpt anymore um i think when the venue changed the new venue is beautiful and it's very nice but it's still it's not as big as both venue. it restricted we is at 49 tables so you know, it's impossible for the casino to give away all of the tables to poker because they have other games as well. They right. have, you know, other uh, Baccarat and things like that that generate, to be honest, more money than poker does. So it's impossible for them to give away all their tables. So they've agreed to give away 30 of the 49 to this event. And, again, it cancels out all their cash game action for the day. They don't to just play cash to other venues too to play poker if they want to play over that day, so Bay 101 takes a lot of risk for that, but I think that you know the way that the event's marketed, and it's still very high profile, uh, is a great one for players, so there's a lot of value in that event, there's a lot of, like I said, satellite winners, and a lot of local excitement as well as international, and we have a great list of stars, you notwithstanding, uh, you should be there this year, not be going to Sochi, but uh, we will miss you, but it's happening, uh, and it's coming up soon. Right. Um, okay. And so
0: tell me, And just, I meant to mention this before you kind of got almost accidentally in the tournament, uh, directing because he, he so you got asked to sub in and then you just kind of crushed it. And then the new, another casino asked you to start doing it. Is that what happened? Or how did that, how did you actually get into directing tournament? And were you already playing poker like as a, for a fun or sort of trying to make money at that point? Or were you did you go yeah, right I was
1: I was working it I had already become you know I'd already done the chip runner thing over at uh, at another casino and I was now dealing over at Bay 101 uh, and this is in the early 90s uh, 1994 to be exact 1996 uh, I started my own golf tournament and this year will be my 25th annual golf tournament and out of that kind of the guy that played my golf tournament said hey to the owners of Bay 101 you should look at Matt filling in for their tournament director while he's gone because he runs a really great tournament, and he'd be good at doing that. So I subbed in for the guy that uh, went on vacation, fell in love love with the running tournaments and and being a part of that scene. And uh, out of that, you know, I became the assistant tournament director there. And then when Lucky Chances opened up in 1997, 98, I went up there to be their tournament director. And out of that, starting the TDA, got invited to run the World Series of Poker in 2002 and then in 2003 when i wanted to go back to the world series poker again and be the tournament director the guy at lucky chance said hey let you go last year i don't think it's a good idea that you go this year you're kind of hurting our business by leaving but the owner at uh, at bay 101 said well, once you come back and work here i'll let you go every year to run the world series poker and because of that i went back to bay 101 i've been there ever since i'm still there today that's awesome. When did
0: you, when did you first meet in, in C Antonio Espondiari? Cause that's where he grew up and he was running through the casinos there. And obviously LAPC, his story is pretty incredible. How he took most of his role. Uh, it's actually his email. You know, he's got it with 44 in the title. He had like a 44 K bankroll and lost a lot in cash game, hopped in the LAPC and won the main, but you know, he, was he like kind of a local, uh, did you know him like coming up? Like when he was, just, yeah. You know, so
1: he was playing in the cash games, at lucky chances. And when the World Poker Tour came around, he made that final table, and that's how he became Kid Forty Four. Yeah, because he won. He won forty-four thousand dollars at oh, that okay. final table. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he parlayed into
0: the uh, yeah. the LAPC and just kind you of. Sold them.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. when that started, and yeah. So him and I became friends, and out of that, and I was at his final table in the front row when uh, he won here at the L.A. Poker Classic and became Kid One Point Four because first place is yeah. one point three nine million. So he went from kid 44 to kid uh, 1.4. I was happy to see him this week. He played in the LA Poker Classic. He didn't last very long, but he did buy in on day two. And uh, you know, his wife, she did okay. She made day two as well. Yeah. But she's all out. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I got a strong poker
0: family. Mister B Babunara final table the WSOP yeah. Main from Belize, and you know, they. It's tough. We play like a friendly five-five game. Just at the house for fun sometimes. And she like, she's the one orchestrating it and she's tough. She's a, she's a good player. So, um, don't sleep on, you know, if you see her at the tables, be, be cautious. Who, who would you say are some of the, you know, you've been around the characters. Do we, do we have, is there another boom in poker? Do you think that we're like, talk about the U S you're pretty in tune to what's going on. Of course, with everything in the, the, the climate is, does the U S have a chance to get legs. Michigan passes. Um, Pennsylvania has now passed. I think Stars is already operating. Party's looking to get in there. Uh, Delaware is a you know, smaller state, but in there. you know, New York, Illinois, I hear talks that it could come. The fantasy is legal. They pass sports betting at a federal level and can maybe piggyback some poker stuff. What, what do you think about that? Will poker be legal for online poker in the U.S. across the border? Let's even just call it like 40 states, similar to fantasy, somewhere in that neighborhood. Do you think that we'll get back to that point? Well, I hope so. I mean, for me,
1: I would love to see it. It's, it's it's so important for somebody that runs tournaments to be able to have people play at home and win seats into these events. You know, we have Club WPT that does things, you know, on a much smaller level. We have uh, people that come out and play these events uh, from Club WPT, and they've done it by winning their seat there. And I think that that is, you know, a big part of the key to the boom. Uh, You know, when moneymaker had that perfect storm, winning that seat online, uh, I could see that happening again. I really think the satellites are the key to big poker tournaments. And so for me, that's what it's all about. I mean, I'm not as much of an online um, poker player myself uh, as I could be, but again, it's just because I don't have the time. Right. I would love to be able to play more uh, and play more online. And I would of course love to see people be able to win uh, their way into these big events for, through online poker. So, you know, I hope I'm hopeful for it. You know, I know that again, we're a party partner of Party Poker with World Poker Tour, and if they could send players to our events, I know that they would, uh, as long as you know, as well sending players to their events. So, I would love to see it, and I hope that it does happen. I hope it happens soon. I mean, we've been hearing things about this for a long time, and it just hasn't happened, hasn't come to fruition. So, that part of it's
0: kind of sad. For sure. Talk to me a little bit about. You're a family man. You love golf. Um, you, where do you find the time? You're the tournament director, LAPC at the, at the commerce, uh, Bay 101, I think Thunder Valley as well. You do World poker tour events. Uh, you're married. How you have one, one child, correct? Married with a, one child. We have two
1: children. I have a daughter and a son and the, okay. my daughter's moved out. Uh, you know, she's, um, 24 years old. It's actually my wife's daughter, uh, from Six marriage, years, but I consider her my daughter. Six, because I've been there. Yeah. How old? How old are you? Are you forty yet? How old are you? <laughs> I am fifty-one. Fifty-one. Yeah. Nice, hitting the <laughs> staying sharp. That's fifty-one crazy. years old, but yeah, I mean, and that's probably the thing that I um, feel the strongest about, and you know what hurts me more than anything when you know getting negativity about certain things in the industry because I know a lot of the, the sacrifices that I put up and my wife, Marianne is, is so awesome that she supports me and my son, Marco, my daughter, Rezan, they, they support me uh, even though I'm on the road. I've been here uh, in the LA poker classic since January 15th. Wow. And, and Vegas. Uh, yeah. And while, yes, while they live uh, not with me, they come and visit and they come and support me. And my son's getting older now he's 13 years old and, you know, it's not as fun for him to come hang out with dad on the weekends when he's working the whole time. Uh, he wants to be home playing his video games and yeah. hanging out. He has a girlfriend and oh, stuff like that. So right, it go. makes it tough, you know. How many, days it makes it fun, how many days
0: are you on the road a year roughly? And, and has that scaled back or, or in the last? My years?
1: wife added it up the other day. It was six months, and, six months and four days last year. Wow. So over half the year I was on the road. Uh, I always thought this would cut back and I always intend to cut back and it seems like it never happens. You know, yeah. with the World Poker Tour keeps me busy pretty much, you know, year round. I'm even when I'm not working, people are like, Well, you're off for six months. I'm like, No, that's not the case. Six you know, I'm you still working. Six months and four days.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's but, uh, right. That's uh that's uh conveniently nice just over that six month uh, uh, home, right? You gotta be, isn't that right? You're a nevada, you're a Nevada resident that's Yeah. Nice. well right. done, Matt. That was well timed. You didn't leave much uh, room there. Uh you gotta be careful <laughs> that. Um, yeah, very cool. So yeah, and, and world poker tour expanded. That's what I was going to say. How do you determine which ones you're going to go? Do you kind of have a set schedule where like, all right, LAPC for sure. Bay 101 for sure. You have your definite events and then kind of, all right, there's some new ones or I'm going to go to this. Like you, you, yeah, I think sometimes you fly
1: in and just do the shuffle up and deal or you've come to Florida. Yeah. Yeah, My big four one, my big four events are, uh, that I am a part of every year is I've at commerce for about three months a year for their four events. Bay 101, I'm there like three three times a year. Uh, at Thunder Valley, I'm there like four or five times a year. And uh, I'm at Seminole Hard Rock, and I have a great relationship. Coming up on 10 years this year for the World Poker Tour there, that I've been going to the uh, World Poker Tour in Seminole Hard Rock. And they've just become such a massive, uh, you know, yeah. juggernaut in the industry. So, you know, the guys down there, Bill Mason and, and uh, Tony. their team have – Tony Burns, my friend Tony Burns, he's now a marketing director. He's not even in yep. the tournaments anymore. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, it, they've it, done such so a great it. job building it up there. I'm, you know, proud to be a part of what they're doing down there. So sure. I consider Bill a friend. As a matter of fact, he just called me a couple minutes ago, trying to interrupt our interview. Um, oh, that, but he's that was the connection that went went down. Yeah, we talk all the time, and so I'm so happy for them. I, I think that they're new poker room and their new property is just amazing. So yeah. if you get a chance, go down and check out their world poker tour event. It's going to be For great. Sure, I, I, That's coming up
0: here in April. Um, I, I, but yeah, I go, I, it's my backyard and that new guitar is impressive. I actually did a vlog, like the YouTube vlog opening night there and, and Tony walked me through. And so, I mean, it was, it's really impressive. $1.5 billion guitar. I've been going there since I was 18 and it's uh it's, it's definitely a sight to see. So I, I would, I, I imagine those guarantees. There's going to be some really special, events coming up there um, in, in the future. Yeah. So definitely catch you there. I want to run through your, your tournament results quickly and then take some questions. Cause I know you got the day four LAPC to kind of uh, do here. So yeah, I swear I almost would bet I'm pretty sure like 94 to 95 or plus percent of my guests have final tabled their first ever Hendon mob event, which is just kind of weird um, in a way. But it looks like, so you started back in 2001 and you did, you know, it was a 120 per person event and you did final table uh, taking second actually and a hundred dollar event, but that was pretty cool. I mean the, the first ever cash, you just hop right in and get, Get a almost get a W and get heads up in a high low event in, in California. What was that like? That was that must have got you kind of excited. The, the thrill of it
1: was that awesome. It's like back then, you know, there wasn't a lot of series, there was more dailies, right? You right, daily and those daily re- re- events were not tracked by Hendon Mob. You know, you couldn't go back and say, Hey, I won this tournament, uh, you know, in the $60 daily, uh, in the Bay Area. It wasn't one of those things that could happen. So, yeah, I mean, for us to get recognized and the Hendon Mob, I was uh, around when the Hendon Mob started, so those guys, Ross and, and Joe and Barney and uh, Ram Baswani, starting the Hendon Mob, didn't know how important that was to poker. Now, It's the, you know, it's the Bible. It's, you know, it's been now purchased by GPI and Alex Dreyfus, but, you know, that's, the Hendon Mob is cool. I mean, it's where everybody goes to see if you want to buy action or sell action or something like that. That's the first stop you go because you want to see what the results are, so... Had, I don't get to play as much as
0: I like. See the the flags and the tracking and like stuff starts blending together and you can really sort of like oh okay I was here this this summer this there I went to this event it, it is very cool how they do that. Yeah. yeah, I don't
1: get to play as much as I'd like, um, but I do. When I do play, I like mixed games. Um, we had a special tournament during the LA Poker Classic called the uh, Matt Savage's Big Toe, Whoa. which was triple draw and uh, seven card stud, eight or better, and Omaha eight or better. And it was uh, it was a great event. I mean, I cash in it, so I'm two for two cashing in triple draw events, and I just love playing that format of poker. Okay. And you uh, know, anytime payment. I can get on the felt, I do it. But I just don't have much of an opportunity except during the
0: summer. All right, we well, got six figures lifetime cash, and you do have a fifth at a WSOP for a nice little score there. Uh, you got yeah. got close and some firsts, so you've you got you've done some poker uh, playing as well. I know you're very busy, and same, I feel like I don't get to play as much live uh, tournaments as I like anymore, but just you know it is what it is and it's good to be be involved in poker and doing what we love so let's uh let's hit some questions because i know you do you got to shoot out of here and there is there's a lot people want to hear from matt savage the executive tour director of the wpt poker tda founder and tda commerce casino as well as bay 101 and we're going to kind of uh oh those aren't the questions these are the questions here we go um we'll just kind of zoom through these uh Someone's asking about the Poker Hall of Fame. You've been inducted, I guess. You, so, the, so there's a different one, right? There's a poker um, tournament directors. So there's some, you are in the Hall of Fame for something, but the overall Poker Hall of Fame, you've been nominated. Someone's uh, saying you haven't quite got in there yet. Is it, is that something that means a lot to you? Do you want to get in there? Is that I, how, I don't know how that works. Are you up? Is it every year? <laughs> I, I, how, do, how does that? you're eligible now? Like, how does it work? And you've been nominated.
1: That's a good question. Cause it's changed in the last couple of years. Yeah. So I've been nominated for the hall of fame four times. Uh, I was the inaugural member of the Benny Binion's poker manager hall of fame, okay. which they started in 2003 and stopped in 2005. Mm. So, uh, I was nominated and put in that first year. I was pretty cool. They had a little, you know, celebration at the world series of poker in 2004 for that. But, um, yeah, so I've been nominated four time, five times, uh, four consecutive years I got nominated. And back then it was done by the the public, the public nominated 10 people. And I got nominated four times by the public. Last year they took it in house at the World Series of Poker. The World Series of Poker basically owns the Hall of Fame. So they picked their list, I wasn't on that list of 10. So I wasn't eligible to be inducted last year. So, you know, obviously it means a lot to me. It means a lot to Uh, my family, because it's kind of a legacy thing. Um, I feel like the last 20 years of poker, uh, I've made a lot of positive changes and and done a lot of things, which is one of the requirements of the Hall of Fame. I I feel like if you look at industry people, you know, I've won the industry GPI award twice. I've been nominated for it every single year, including this year, I'll be going there on Friday for the GPI awards. So I, I do feel like, I've made positive changes for the industry and um, it wouldn't be the same without me. So, I mean, on that, in that respect, I feel like I would like to be part of the hall of fame at some point. Um, don't know if it's ever going to happen again because they have now taken it into his poker. You know, Jack and I are friends, but we're also um, comes to things because, you know, There is some caution on our end of the game, you know, with the World Poker Tour, WSOP, schedules crowded and all of that. But, uh, you know, like I said, Jack and I are friends. He doesn't come to me and we talk quite often before the World Series of Poker about certain situations, rules, schedules, you know, information, stuff like that gets passed between us. So, you know, obviously I'd like to be in there someday. And I think it's important for, again, my legacy uh, in the game. So, yeah, that's kind of where I stand on it. Um, uh, I hope that uh, someday I get in there. That's
0: about it. For sure. Well, yeah, hope we all do. That would be, yeah, I think that's, uh, it's interesting how that's done. I, I guess, yeah, I didn't fully understand how that's selected or what, who gets the votes there. Um, what are the top three players today? I mean, you get to see in your mind, like, I guess, you know, you, you see in the World Poker Tour in particular, um, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious. You, Darren is, has uh, got the most WPT titles, pretty consistent, but are there some guys that you just, maybe that, People aren't as aware of it. You just see they're always deep or they're right there. And you, get, you even see who's losing on what hands, right? Like you're like, oh, this guy, you know, you're, you're kind of like in it and you know what's going on. Is there Who do you think are some of the, the most dangerous players right now in tournament poker that you're at
1: least the co- – that you get to see? <laughs> you just said one that I feel like is the most dangerous. I mean, Darren Elias, he is a beast. I mean, to watch him play, he just – you know, and I, it's weird, but I said this the other day. I don't even think No Limit is his best game. I think his best game is No Limit Single Draw. And, you know, while it's not that popular of a game, I think it's truly one of the best games there is. I mean, if you get a chance to play No Limit Single Draw, you know, I'd like to see more smaller buy-ins because it's just such an awesome game. But I think that's his best game. Um, But, again, he is a beast. He's won four World Poker Tour titles. Uh, He was named by the World Poker Tour as the player of the decade in an article I recently wrote. Um, because it's just been so dominant. But, you know, there's a lot of up-and-coming guys that I see that are, you know, have the passion and the fire that are going to be up-and-coming. Brian Altman is another guy that I see out there that is just grinding hard and doing those things he needs to do to to win poker tournaments. It's a lot more study now. You know, you know, you've, you've studied, you've done that grind, and you know what that's like. And, uh, you know, these poker players are becoming better and better. So it's my job to make sure that, you know, these people don't win all the money all the time. So I'm working hard to try and make things better for recreational players and, and new players that are coming into the game. Right. Um, but yeah, those guys are just super dominant, you know, and I think they're going to be around for years to come because they definitely still have the fire and uh, the passion that I see. That's that's cool. Yeah, no, for sure.
0: Well, tell me a little bit about this. Uh, Eric Afri, I was supposed to be my guest yesterday. He was still in on day three, fresh off his third WPT. When I was there, and I guess you were probably there at that hard rock one. I think it was still the record field size and don't remember what year, but seventeen hundred and ninety-five entrance at a thirty-five hundred dollar buy-in WPT. I got tenth at the final table, unofficial final table, whatever. I get knocked out. I see Eric there. He ends up winning that tournament for a million in a thirty five hundred dollar buy-in. He then wins, I think Niagara this maybe last year, if I'm or no, Borgata. Maybe the Borgata he wins. And now he just wins, was it Niagara? Fallsview, yeah, Fallsview, Niagara. So now he's won, he's won three WPTs. He's like Darren Elias has four. I think he's tied for second all time. And and this guy, you know, he's an amateur businessman, um, and he also has, I think has a second or even some other final tables. What's going on with him? Like he's kind of mm-hmm. come out of of nowhere, and you know, he's not a pro, a pro by trade. Maybe you could consider right. him a trait, uh, pro now oh, I think we're going to have a fire alarm testing here. Um, could be kind of annoying. Sorry about this. I can hear the, the thing coming on. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on a guy like Eric, who's an amateur
1: that's having these kind of results? He's amazing. Like he, you know, the pride of uh, playground poker in Montreal. Uh, he's kind of come out of nowhere where a guy that, you know, has got a lot of passion. He's got a lot of passion like a lot of Montrealers do. Uh, he is, you know, aggressive, and I think people need to be aggressive um and he's got no fear i think that's a big part of it as well um you know he's definitely shown that he can can get there and and win these tournaments and you know you've got to hand it to a guy like that who you don't think is a pro and you know originally when he first won people were like you know who is this guy you know he got lucky things like that once you win two three events you can't really call luck anymore can you Right.
0: I agree. I think he's probably doing some work and some stuff. I mean, you have to imagine he's doing some studying and has some good information. He's he's taking it to the next level. But also I think he probably you know, even even guy like him who he shows up, there's probably a lot of people that don't know who he is, that he has these results. So on day ones, day twos, things like this, he's probably getting away with some stuff, doing some very high level things that guys maybe just look at him and they don't assume that he's you know, he's not he's he's trapped. He's a wizard trapped in a, an older guy's body. Potentially, you know. I think they can really go a long way, right? When they when you have people perceive you as maybe playing a certain way, and and you know some stuff they don't, you can you can you can leverage that a lot. And I would imagine we were supposed to have him on yesterday, so I was going to ask him a couple of his tricks and secrets, but we'll have him coming up here as well. So yeah, that's about his
1: bust out hand because I didn't see it, but I heard it. I heard him oh, back yeah. on the table.
0: Was it a, was it a bad beat or a tough? And answer? he said some
1: uh, French word that I can't repeat here, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, I heard him bang on the table and he was not happy about it. So he'll have to ask about his bust out hand here at the LAPC.
0: should have, he should have woke up 30 minutes earlier and stuck in our podcast. Right? <laughs> exactly. Like I did. Yeah, exactly. My man. So yeah, I know you got to get going here. Let's try to get a few more of these. Which tournament director do you look up to, or maybe not look up to, cause maybe you're at the top. So. Or, or, who do you kind of respect or, or do some discussing with and, and, and sort of uh, is on your at the round table with
1: you? Well, I mean, you know, these guys that paved the way, you know, the Bob Thompsons, the uh, Jack McClellans. Jack McClellan's already in the Poker Hall of Fame. They, they, these are the guys that, to me, paved the way for to do what I did. So, those are the guys that, you know, I looked up to when I was coming up in the ranks of a, a tournament director. The guys that I, you know, looked to to. Um, maybe emulate some of the things they did. Eric Drake, who started the satellite program, you know, who knows where we'd be now if we didn't have satellites. I mean, like I'm the biggest proponent for him now, but he started them. So those are the kind of guys that I looked up to as, as industry people. And, you know, it, it's, it's difficult these days because I have to deal with not only management and the upper part of the casino business, but no. also the player. And I've always been a player advocate and I feel like that's probably my strongest suit is being patient and being a player advocate and, you know, really getting to know everybody and uh, poker has offered me such a great uh, lifestyle and career. i I'm, I'm blessed with this, uh, you know, being able to, to know so many great people and, and have so many good friends out of poker. And I'm, you know, it's one of those things that I, I'll never forget and again goes to my legacy. So again, looking up to those guys and, and trying to, you know, not only honor them by doing a great job, but, try to do even better. You know, it's always my goal to be better and uh, to do better things with poker. I'm always trying to innovate and uh, make it a a better industry and a better, you know, workplace or lifestyle for those that are just recreational players.
0: Absolutely. What's the most exciting stop on tour for you? Let's take away LAPC, LAPC, and the California swing, these these three Bay 101 and Thunder Valley. Where's a place where, and even the Hard Rock. Let's just tell me somewhere you've been in the world that's sort of exotic, different world poker tour or not that you've done a tournament at, and you're like, man, this is cool. This is a cool place.
1: Well, I mean, I have to go back all the way to uh, 2004 at the um, at uh, Monte Carlo Millions. Hmm. I ran the first tournament ever in Monte Carlo. I did the first tournament ever in Macau. Um, so I have kind of stamped around the world, but the, the Monte Carlo millions, it was a small venue. I don't think you were around then. You probably weren't even 21 then back mm-hmm. in 2004, that was <clears throat> but yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was a special time. I ended up getting married there in Monte Carlo wow. during that tournament. Uh, so yeah, I kind of would put that on my, the high list of things that I've done. Uh, I went to Aussie millions um, three years consecutive, uh, just a great event, great venue, great people. You know some of the nicest people in the world are in Australia. So those are events that you know. If and when I do retire, I would love to go and play or be a part of again. You know that I I kind of would like to. You know if if I were a player, where would I go every year? And, and those are kind of some of the stops that I would do. Okay,
0: very nice. Uh, any funny moments at the WPT? Anything that just like so ridiculous? Like something? Or just in general, during a direction where you saw something and it was either kind of ridiculous, funny slash. Weird, or you know, there was the I don't even like bringing it up, but Antonio obviously that thing he, he peed in a uh, in a um a, which was bizarre. I don't know if you were there for that, you know, I wasn't. Internet, but um, give me give me something. I'm give me I'm just gonna open the door. Tell me what you think, tell the people what it was. I'll be back in one second, but tell me the craziest thing you've seen.
1: Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of crazy things in the game. Obviously, there's uh been traveling all over the world and and doing this for a long time, but yeah, um, if you think about the some of the stories and 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 being a part of this lifestyle. I mean, we've gone literally to these events and then we go out to dinner and then we go out to a, a nightclub and, you know, back in the day you would come in the very next day and I'd be like hanging out with the players until four or five, six in the morning and then getting back up in the next day and doing it all over again. And you know, you were you know Antonio was big on the club scene back then. Right. Uh, you know, knew all the people from Tau and all those things. And yeah. Yeah, we used to tear it up. It was uh, it was, it was good times, and those are some of the things that I'll always remember. Um, you know, hopefully, it doesn't wear on me today, being fifty-one years old. But it's uh yeah, it's, it's uh, those, are, those are the times that I remember the most.
0: For sure. Um, any possible tours in Malta? Specific question here, but we'll, we'll get it in. Have you ever been to Malta?
1: Uh, yeah, I've been to Malta. Yeah, I did an event there. It's kind of an interesting place, and in the fact that they don't have a drinking age. So. See 16 year olds drinking in the streets it's kind of an interesting thing but uh yeah it's a good time it's beautiful there um alex dreyfus who you know became a friend over over the years uh lives there they do have malta poker tournament we don't have a wpt there so yeah i'd love to go back there obviously malta is a amazing spot and easy to get to and the taxes are great and things like that so yeah i'd love to go back there but i haven't been in a while
0: Very cool. Uh, Someone asked about any sports. I know you're a golf advocate. What do you shoot? And is that your main sport?
1: It is my main sport now, and it's more of a hobby more than a sport. But uh, yeah, I definitely don't make a living doing it, although people think that I do uh, make a living golfing. But uh, yeah, I'm a 14.5 index, never got below uh, a 10, but that was a 10.2 a couple years ago, and that was about as best I could do. But I'm pretty consistent, usually between 88 and 92 all the time.
0: All right, it's good. That's that gets you out on the dance floor. You can go golf with anyone. That's that's. I'm trying to get to there. I'm not quite there, but it, golf's a great game. It is fun to uh, go out and hit the ball. Uh, who's the best female player that you either now or you've ever seen in your life? I mean, I have my clear pick, but I'm I'm curious because maybe back to you know, you've been through the female firsthand right back when poker was it's, it's it's shifted right over the years there's some new kind of dominant players who do you think is funny
1: yeah you go through the years i mean kathy lieber back in her day mm-hmm. no one was better she cashed more consistently than anybody and then you know you go to marie ho and uh vanessa selfs they you know vanessa self was dominant you know right she, no for sure fear she absolutely. was a, just a killer she you know she was amazing, and had she continued, she'd probably still be on top, I think. Uh, right. But now, Kristen Bignall, I mean, what? Uh, it's unbelievable. She won our LAPC uh, 2K6 max yesterday.
0: Yep, so and I saw that. She's she- up
1: against a very good player in Taylor Von Kriegenberg heads up, and he felt like he was totally outmatched. He kept on saying over and over again, there's no chance I'm going to beat you and no chance I'm going to beat you. And on the last hand, he calls it off with King 8. Uh, you know, Offsuit. He felt like he goes. Well, if I don't win this hand, I'm not going to win anyway because you, you know, got the chip lead. And she turns over a seven. The flop came a seven seven, and turned an ace, and uh, it was over. And she has the one, the female player of the year for the GPI the last three years. Um, again, winning seventy one thousand nine seven ninety last night. I think she may be there forever. She's dominant to me. I mean, it's like, yeah, no fear. Um, she had her dog in the final table picture. People were bitching about that online this morning, you know, dogs in the poker room and stuff like that. Uh, but it's, uh, she's tough, but again, probably, you know, her. she's probably the sweetest person I've ever met. Just yeah, she
0: was on the podcast recently and know, she doesn't hurt, she's, uh, her and Alex Foxen are. You know, they're, they serious relationship now for a while and he's number one GPI and you know, they're, they're battling and playing some of these 25 K high rollers, you know, shorthand, she's, she's, she's fearless for sure. She's a great player and it's, it's good to see. I'm glad she's on uh, team party poker. So that's yeah, an interesting uh,
1: story. I met her in Calgary, I think four, maybe five years ago. And I said, you know, you're a great player. He said, you should play more tournaments. And She goes, no, I'm just a online cash player and I just play cash. I don't play tournaments. You said, I'll, 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 I'll take 10%. I'll, you know, give it a try.
0: I'm, I'm in, you know, she's, uh, she's definitely done very well. Um, so that's cool. What's your favorite poker hand, Matt, not aces. Give me like your fun suited kind of one.
1: Jack 10 of spades, Jack 10 suited always as a hand that I can't seem to lay down and get into trouble with most of the time, but uh, I love it. you a short deck specialist. That's like the, ace no, definitely not short deck specialist. I haven't even played a, a short deck cash session or tournament. So don't know much about it. I run the tournament and uh, people seem to love it, but uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't played that much at all, but you know. What is I what I was kind of asking is the crazy like the thing you've actually ever seen like
0: what's the wildest thing you've personally seen with your own eyes at a table happen? Uh well, or not, not your own eyes, but like you had to make a decision on. Like it happened while you were in the room and someone Okay. Said, all right. We'll yeah, go on in a bit.
1: It's kind of the Antonio thing the, the wildest thing I ever saw happen was a dealer, you know, take a little pee on the leg. That was the worst and the most wildest thing I've ever seen. But luckily that wasn't in a tournament, and that was long, long ago. And the guy got kicked out, and that, that that whole situation cleared up. But as far as rulings go, you know, I always talk about this one, and Jesse May, who's a writer uh, over in the U.K. Oh, Jesse. He did, I did uh, Premier League with
0: him on okay. – uh, he's great. Yeah. On color good, color. good guy. He kind of
1: – you know, I, I kind of think that his article was my – Early career highlight: He wrote an article about me in two thousand three uh, about a ruling that I made on Russell Rosenblum, who was a poker player that you know has been around and been back and forth. But it was at the World Series Poker, and it was on uh, day four. And Russell Rosenblum uh, made a bet into a pot for like a hundred thousand, and Julian Gardner, the eventual guy that finished second place, moved all in over the top for one hundred fifteen thousand. Russell sprung from his chair and ran away from the table. And was in the back room, like like over by the bar. And I'm like, "What are you doing?" I walked over to him and said, "What are you doing?" He said, "No, I fold, I fold, I fold." So I'm walking back to the table. As I'm walking back to the table, he's running beside me. He goes, "How much more is it? How much more is it?" I said, "Sorry, you folded. It was only fifteen thousand more." Russell had jacks. Russell uh, Julian Gardner had fives. The oh. fives obviously win the hand because the other guy folded. But it turns out that uh, you know this hand could have changed history, right? Julian Gardner wins, comes in second place, wins 1.1 million. But to his credit, Russell Rosenwald came back and finished at the final table and won 550,000 himself. So he didn't let it bother him, but that was my craziest ruling of all time. Like I said, Jesse May wrote an article about it, uh, which you can find, uh, the goodgamblingguide.uk. He wrote a, an article about that in 2003 and basically credited that decision as kind of my breakout point uh, of being a tournament director. So yeah, yeah I always look back at that one.
0: It's a big, definitely a big ruling. Um, WPT in Ukraine. Is that
1: possible? Yeah. I would love to go to Ukraine. I hear good things about it. Uh, I would love to go. Um, let's make it happen. Make Party Poker a uh, sponsor. It and we're in. And Okay. There we go. And uh, someone actually referencing here, this was in
0: my notes and I didn't know, I, I actually didn't realize that you did, we were the one on the, the mic there. Um, I just haven't seen that footage in so long. But about Chris Moneymaker, broadcast live, final table, 2003, Chris Moneymaker, win the bracelet. You think that moment is really a break for the poker world. How, how, how big of a difference do you think if Moneymaker takes second,
1: is it, for this whole deal? I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame now. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He did. Uh, he's done great things since then. So, uh, you know, that whole story could have gone away. He could have just kind of won that tournament, had that special moment. Uh, a great part of that was the 4 for one production, the production team that put that out. I think they, the way they covered it made it very special. But again, the perfect storm of online and television and the internet accountant that won his seat for, you know, $45, winning that event. Um, I think all of those things are perfect. But he has done so much work since then. You know, the amount of effort he's put in to be an ambassador for the game and you know, when he's at one of your events, it's always a good time because he's, you know, out playing, drinking, gambling, having fun and makes it great for everybody that's there. So I I love having Chris as an ambassador of the game. I'm happy he's in the Hall of Fame and I think he deserves it. So, yeah, I think that was a life changing moment for sure.
0: Absolutely. If your if your son played poker or your daughter for that moment, matter, would you approve it?
1: That's a good question. Would I approve it? I would make them. uh I'd probably make him be a, a recreational player first until he achieved some level of success that he couldn't, uh, you know, do things. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of poker for me with the recreational side is that make these things like vacations, right? These poker trips used to be like vacations for a lot of these people. You would go to the Party Poker Million Cruise, you know. That was the one big tournament everybody played every year because it was not only just a poker tournament but a, a vacation. So, yeah, if they were going to play, I, I would – definitely want them to have a job and play recreationally and you know i would support that for sure awesome uh let well, you do i
0: know you got to zoom out here in a second uh someone's asking how I was working with eric Bannon and robert duvall i guess uh with also drew barrymore i mean it's kind of cool right to be with hollywood stars and their,
1: their fame you know, yeah that fun. <laughs> it was pretty intense you know eric banna uh was a like he's a comedian like his he started off being stand-up comedian and he was funny he would do imitations of everybody at the table he did imitation of me and yeah that whole thing was great robert duvall um obviously a great actor the godfather and just been around forever an icon and funny story that happened at the at the shooting is the director looked at me and said uh, hey matt get on your spot you're off your spot and i looked down and i was directly on my spot And he says, I need you to move to your spot. And I said, I'm on my spot. I said, maybe you need to move the tape on the floor, but I'm on my spot. And I looked over and Robert Duval, his chair was to the right of where it was supposed to be. Right. So I said to the director and the producer, I said, I'm sorry, I am on my spot, but Robert's not on his spot. And the room was silent and everybody kind of looked at me and like, I could feel sweat coming down off my forehead and they had to like come and clean it up. But, Robert Duvall looked at me and goes, son, I'm always on my spot. And so, yeah, I, he kind of put me, uh, you know, and so they moved me. They didn't move him. They moved me to a different spot. But, uh, yeah, that was kind of my – the highlight of that filming is have Robert Duvall tell me that, uh, you know, you're an asshole. So that's, basically put me in my place.
0: That's awesome. Um Okay. Let's see. We've basically, a lot of similar, similar questions, some good questions here. Take one more and then we'll let you go. I think you sure, need no, I
1: got. yeah, I got a little bit more time. Got a
0: little more. Okay. Well, yeah, that's good. I'm already right.
1: showered and ready to go. So yeah.
0: Let me know when you need to go. You're well prepared. Okay. So a lot of questions about complicated stuff about your, ba- like, what was your, you say you're in terms of what do you prefer? If you have free time, let's say you have a couple of days or you could play poker. Would you rather play a cash game for a few days? Or would you rather play a tournament if you had the time to play it, play it through?
1: I'd rather play a tournament if it's something I like. Again, I like limit games, so I'm Omaha oh, 8 or Better or Stud 8 or Better or Triple Draw. Those are the kind of things I like to play. So if there's something like that, I'd like to do that, um, you know, if I have time or am somewhere where I'm in there a day early or something. And, again, I'm always out there just trying to promote the game, make it fun for everybody that's playing those events. So, yeah, that would probably be the game I would choose. Um
0: Okay, how many people have you kicked out, actually, like, removed from
1: a tournament? Can you count it on one hand, or is there over the years there's been a, more than a uh, hand? It's not been many. Like I said, I've been very fortunate to not have to kick people out again. Physical altercations, I have nothing that I can do about it. A lot of times when somebody has uh, an issue with the tournament or maybe in a cash game or something like that, their card is blocked, so they're not even able to play in the tournament. So I'm not the one that's having to kick them out, but it's a weird deal. Like A lot of people that get out of line in other tournaments don't seem to get out of line in mine as much. Um, you know, I had to have in the early days with men, the master. You know, he was having a lot of tr- trouble in other tournaments and getting I, in arguments with dealers and stuff like that. And he never really got out of line in my tournaments as much. So, you know, I think that there's when you demand respect, you command a, a level of respect, and you don't get those kind of issues with the players. So, I've been lucky and you know blessed in my career to not have that issue. Know, now that you mention that name,
0: I, I, I'm, I'm. Not, and feel free not to answer, but I just I do know that he was there was part of a scandal or some chips or something found maybe even at the commerce. Is there any story? Did that, did that ever get
1: resolved? That was Foxwoods. And uh, yeah, it's a weird one because there's rumors and conjecture on what really happened then. Um, you know, the fact that he had tournament chips in his room. Who knows? Uh, I don't know anything about it. All I know is that Foxwood allowed him to play there again. So if if there was some cheating going on, I don't think they would have allowed him to play there. So that's the only thing I can base my facts on. I don't really know the whole story with it. But, yeah, that was always a rumor out there. But I don't think, you know, like I said, I know that if that kind of thing ever happened anywhere I worked at, he would never be allowed to play there again. So if that was the case, um, you know. Right.
0: That makes sense. All right. So interesting. I never, I just, well, again, these kind of hearsay in these situations, it's kind of it's complicated and it's easy to get spread a rumor or, you know, escalate
1: things and, and not give. A lot of things with men, to be honest, with Men the Master, a lot of things were the fact that, you know, he would back a lot of people in the tournaments. And, you know, would people, if, if you're getting backed by somebody back in those days, if somebody, you were in a hand with that player, are you going to play as tough against somebody that backs you in the tournament? It's kind of a tough one, you know? are you going to but, play as tough as you're supposed to you should yeah, it's complicated too if you're talking about 100 person 200
0: person fields these kind of buy-ins and now you got 15 guys in there you're right. going to be matched up with them like a lot or even two of them at a table and yeah that could that opens up the door for some um potential po- problems especially yeah. it's uh right. it's a different and yeah interesting okay no worries just curious that's Interesting to hear. And uh, someone said, uh, Scott Gardner says, I remember meeting you at the Mansion Poker Pro-Am where Gavin Smith, rest in peace to Gavin, uh, won and was, dir- you were the director, was the funniest and craziest thing you ever seen Gavin Smith do, who was a, a great uh, ambassador and character of our, of the game of poker who did pass away. We, a couple of years ago now. Um,
1: yeah. I love Gavin, you know, Gavin and I had, uh, you know, so many things like, you know, he liked to drink. He liked to have a good time. And uh, that same, when he won that tournament, he, he drank a lot. Uh, he he had a good time. He was uh, very jovial. You know, nobody ever really had anything bad to say about him. Uh, he he had done, uh, he did the poker world uh, justice because he was, he was always friendly. You know, people always look forward to seeing Gavin at the poker table. Uh, he was never confrontational, except on the golf course one time, where I would get under his skin all the time. He could never beat me. He was much better golfer than me, but he could never beat me because I would just be needling him constantly and that's part of the game you know when I'm, me and my friends are having our best times is when we're needling each other so yeah. needling him and he charged me one time he was going to come after me and, and knock me out and he's big guy and wow. you know former hockey background, so I was like I was a little scared I got to be honest but he uh he a friend got in the middle of us and uh, nothing ever happened and we hugged it out and everything's good
0: that's that's good to hear yeah no he great guy um so, okay. So tell me, tell me a bit. And then before we go into this uh, draw, we're going to give a $55 ticket away on behalf of you and Party Poker. So we'll, we'll pick someone, anyone who's asked a question and followed instructions on my Twitter. Share can that. I add
1: another $55?
0: Yes, you can. All right. I'm going to add another $55. Draw two. We're going to draw two times. So we're going to do... I'll send gonna, you over right right after the show. Okay. That's beautiful. We'll do... We'll do two of those, and I will we'll draw that here shortly. I want to know um, from you if you had to guess in the next – is poker – let's see. How do I wear this? In the next decade, right? Let's just say 2030, uh, we'll, we'll call it. Do you feel that poker, the state of poker, will be in a better position than it is now, or do you feel like it's going to decline from this point on? Or do you, and you have a strong feeling like that?
1: Uh, again, I think – People like me and people in the industry need to do some things. They need to be a little self-reflective on what we're doing um, with reentry. You know, I started reentry here in, uh, at the Commerce in 2010. And the way it was designed was that you could bust out the tournament and then reenter the following day. It was a way for us to have like a $300 tournament where it was a million-dollar prize pool guarantee. Right. And out of that kind of morphed this multi-reentry and, and, and kind of craziness that has kind of taken over the industry. I think people on uh, properties need to think about, you know, protecting the players. And I know that, you know, when you say that, it kind of maybe has a negative connotation of, you know, why would we want to protect the people that are coming in to patronize our business? They're making their own choices. right? So it's it's kind of an issue. You know, do you, do you want to protect poker players? Do you want to um, make sure that they're not spending all of their money in one tournament versus over a long haul. Yeah. And I think we've lost some players because of reentry. I think some people have, you know, gone busto and, and stuff since that time. So yeah. I think if reentries are curtailed a little bit, the online aspect of it comes back in some aspect, I think we can grow again. I think, uh, and like I said, because it's so spread out, we need some consolidation, but uh, definitely I think poker's here to stay. You know, every time I hear poker's dead, I see big numbers somewhere. So I know it's not. I know yeah, a yeah, hand history from one of the events, and you're like, Oh, yep, there's uh
0: there's still people learning and coming in or right. doing creative things. So yeah, no, I, I don't think and I, I mean again to be fair, it doesn't even like it used to be seven card stud, five card draw, you know, no limit. Now there's PLO, which people thought maybe would take over, and the main event would be a PLO event at some point. It's just right. like these type of things, like and now they're short deck, you know, there's people are playing five card. I have friends telling me hands like yo, oh, this you gotta see I'm uh, playing six card. Uh, I'm like what like it just there's always iterations variations you know knockout tournaments are very prevalent popular on on party poker and online as well you know different these huge tournaments and series with different formats and always something kind of new and innovative at the end of the day people love poker because it's a combination of luck and skill it's very rare you can find that mix and people like to gamble and are and, people like to have fun and, and, and have some chance and excitement. So I, I just, yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere. It just depends. Is it going to be no limit Holdem, and how does that all go uh, in the future? But I, I'm with you on that. Um, what do you feel about online poker? What are your thoughts about the, the landscape? I guess it's not your day to day. It's not your world, but you, you are aware of ha- things that are happening. You're also involved like this hybrid WPT where you can play day one and two online and then go play live. What are your thoughts on online poker at the moment? if you have any. Well, like I said, I'm
1: always trying to grow the game. And and for me, you know, I would love to see more mixed games. You know, I like Mm -hmm. Olympic limit games. I think people stay in action a little bit longer. So they are able to enjoy the day or they're able to enjoy the tournament. And so I'd like to see more mixed games be promoted. I'd like to see more people playing those things. Uh, Even in the live aspect, they're a little more social. Uh, So, you know, people seem to have more fun when they're playing them. Um, Even though, you go to a stud tournament or a limit hold'em tournament and they could be some of the, uh, the, the meanest, (laughs) uh, you know, old time players that there are. But um, yeah, I mean, I think as far as the online goes um, I need to see it expand. I hope it expands. I'm just, I just would love to see interstate, you know, you know, interstate family, because, you know, I don't live there. I live in Nevada. I can play online, but I, you know, if I go to Utah, I definitely can't play there online those are the kind of states that are going to hold it up for everybody. So, yeah, you know, I think that, uh, online poker is here to stay and I, you know, would love to see it come back. And again, where everybody can play because, you know, it's not a crime. People should be able to make their own choices. Um, I agree with that
0: as well. So I, I yeah, I'm just, it's very interesting. It's, it's, it's exciting in a way. And it's just kind of, it's, it's a bit upsetting too, that there's fantasy and sports betting's now. It's just kind of like, well, come on, you know, it's like common sense, uh, uh, I, the, actually, I have one more question. The last thing I want to leave you on is you're in California. You're very aware of TV. You've done the most maybe direct, the director of television events by far, like for being a tournament director, over 500 roughly. Um, this topic hasn't got brought up in a while. What do you think of this guy uh, The with the whole cards? Um, it was up in your neck of the woods at the, what's Postle, The Apostle. Sure. Investigation. I had, you know, Joey Ingram did some very elaborate, in depth stuff, you know, almost lost his mind. He's doing, reviewing yeah. that footage, going deep. I mean, it's as a poker player, it's so obvious to me and others and whatnot, but there's legal action taken against him. It was almost offensive, abusive of what was going on. Um, what is the current status of this? And what did that do, do you think, in terms of for whole cards and recording? Because it, it makes it a bit, it brings it, you know, it does bring negative connotations to light in poker. I mean, Scott it was on. It gets shown on SportsCenter, right? Scott Van Pelt's talking about it, referencing it, and it doesn't look good, just in general. Um, but where? What's your
1: stance on this, and, and what do you think about the whole thing? And where is it at right now? Well, I know Mike. Uh, you know, I met Mike obviously from my time at Thunder Valley. Always a nice guy, you know. And a lot of times when things like this happen, it is a nice guy, right? Nice, you know, the con man is a, a nice guy. That's how he's able to con people. So. Right. You know, I don't know for sure. I don't know all the facts. Um, I think it's pretty clear that there was something going on. Was somebody inside involved? Was a guy, uh, you know, Justin, who, you know, worked at the World Series last year, was he involved? Was he, uh, was he a part of it? Did he, or, you know, at the very least, he was naive and ignorant to it. So, you know, I know he's not working there anymore. Uh, you know, it's one of those things like as a player, you have the right to say, hey, I'm going to be playing this event or I'm going to be on this final table. I want to make those sure those precautions are there. And on the World Poker Tour, we are, you know, stronger. We have live streams. We have uh, final tables. Those whole card rooms are unaccessible to anybody. Not even to, to, I can't even go in there, and nor right. do I want to go in there. I don't want to have anything to do with it, to be honest, because I don't ever want to, anybody to ever think that I have that kind of thing. So I'm not a part of that as much as, you know, I could be, but I I do think that you as a player need to, again, protect yourself. And uh, if you find yourself on one of those streams, I would be checking. I would want to know, you know, are you guys able to do things like this? Obviously, the way that it was done and what the things that Joey saw in his investigation looked obvious that he was doing something. So I can't, uh, I can't understand how it went on that long. I think probably because it was such small uh, level and, and low yeah, level I mean, buy-ins and things like that. But. I think some of the 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 announcers too, like
0: it was almost like in their voice and reaction, it was like, "Oh my god!" Like how he's the guy? It was just it, that kind of like if I saw one session of that, I would have, I would have <laughs> been like, "No, like no, this guy's not folding two pair on the turn when like right. when he's – when the, it's like a brick turn on you know." I was like King Six Three. Eight, right? He's got turns two pair, and the guys, and he's beating that. He's folding. It's just like whatever. It's just like obvious to me, right? Like in a second. So that's that's what's kind of alarming too. That like multiple people saw multiple streams and like couldn't didn't raise a flag or brought to attention like pretty early on. But anyway, so do you have an update? Do you know? Is it? I heard something. Maybe there's a case going on. Is he in court?
1: Is there a actual? Yeah, there's definitely a case uh, that's going on right now. They have lawyers. There's a group of players that have uh, put up a lawsuit um, against. Uh, stones itself and, and, you know, against Mike Posse, but you know, who knows if he has money now or can pay right. anything, but obviously the casino does. So I know that there's that group and they were looking for him. and They were knocking on his door and they could hear him inside, but he wouldn't answer the door. Well, apparently they've got to him now. Okay. So that's the update he's been served. And uh, I think it's just going to court now. So, uh, well, I'm interested to see, you know, are they able to prove anything? If they're able to prove anything, is it, is it just, uh, It it's kind of bizarre, right? Cause it's actually, you're, assuming they don't get his like
0: actual device if he was using one or if I have any like way of you know i guess you go on oath and there's going to be you know if he sits up on the thing and you got the other guy in there and it's pretty intense whatever happens but with that being said you're basically trying to prove that that's impossible you know i listen i've played some great home games i've won 20 26 28 sessions in a row and so have other people right it's not like that's like impossible so right. now you're actually trying to like take a game of skill and say to the court who maybe not be very versed or understand board textures or whatever. Right. And you're basically saying, Hey, like this is impossible, but poker is a game of skill. So it's kind of like a little bit confusing in a way. Cause it's like to us, if you present to anyone who has any basic understanding of poker, it's pretty obvious, but to someone who's not on poker, you're almost like going the other way on saying what's, what's even possible. Right. So it's kind of weird in a way, if you really think about yeah, it,
1: Yeah, it's weird. You know, it, I don't know if they're gonna be able to prove it. I really don't know. I mean, right. everybody on the outside says this is obvious and, and that, but, you know, when it goes to court and he's up against a jury, you know, who knows? They may not understand the dynamics of poker or, you know, it's just, I guess, how it's laid out and presented. Uh, For sure. All right. Well, super interesting stuff, Matt. Really
0: appreciate it. I know you you have got a busy day four. I can see you're down to 39. One of the bigger WPTs of the, uh, of the year. Commerce did add 75,000, which is very generous to make it a clean, Million for first, pretty pretty juicy payouts here. Uh, one of the nice stops on tour and your home uh, casino, one of your home casinos. So we'll let you get to that. Let's do this fifty-five dollar retweet. I am taking this here. Actually, you can only roll one a day, so I will do one today, and we'll do one tomorrow. And All right. so I'll, I'll make a note of that. Uh, but we'll do this fifty-five dollar retweet again. You can follow Matt Savage here on Twitter, which is Savage Poker, as well as on Instagram, The Savage Poker. WPT makes sure you give him a follow as well. And there's a look at his hen and mob. He does play some poker. He's won some trophies and he does it all. So we'll, we'll do this and uh, just tell me when for this $55 ticket. Thanks Jeff. And I appreciate it. Great job as always. Thank you very much. Well, let's do it. You tell me when someone's going to win 55. All right. Let's see. You tell me when to do it now. Boom. He waited, he timed it, he RNG'd it. And F uh, Phil is gonna win a fifty-five dollar ticket. Very nice. Looks like they like cookies, and they got a little extra money coming their way. So fifty-five dollar ticket. We'll have Matt Savage do another one tomorrow. I will message the winner here, and uh, Matt, I'll see you at. When are you gonna be in the Hard Rock then in April?
1: Yeah, I'll be there for uh, the. Yeah, I'll be there for the WPT. Val, looking okay. forward to them. Uh, very cool. Well, I should see you then.
0: I think I'll be in town for sure. And uh, thanks again. Appreciate it, man. Let's get some golf sometime. We'll catch up, have a dinner, and appreciate. All the knowledge, guys, again, give him a follow. This is the man, the myth, the man who makes the rules and the overall uh, decisions in tournament poker. So uh, check him out. Stay up to date. If you have a question, blow up his Twitter. He'll get back to you. So Matt, appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much, Jeff. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Cheers. Matt Savage, everyone. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.